0: This is Dion Blumenreiter with Big Hoss One Sauce, and you're listening to the best show on all things barbecue with my man, Greg Grempy.
1: Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going?
2: You have a great show of a big fan.
1: Boing.
2: So what 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 seems
0: to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all
1: about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? He
0: ate two feet before we nerd. So listen, Laburnius, shake your
1: face. I'm shaking like a dog shit PC. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> And just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. It is the Barbecue Central Show. Here we are. We do it live every Tuesday. And we do it from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. If you missed the first hour, you missed Meathead in a delightful discussion. On any number of topics, also, you missed a guest appearance by Hunter Saunders, who may or may not be returning Hello. this evening. He's got an early call, early bell in the morning, as we say in the biz. Boing. He's going to be leaving out of here at, uh, I think he said he was going to be pulling out of the driveway around 4.30. So. Yeah, that's uh, six hours from now. He can come in and finish the second hour. I mean, come on, kid. What are you doing? let's go man up what'd you do get fired today too soon so uh, if he comes back in he comes back in if not don't worry about it happy to have you on this show as well and here's how you do that
3: you can get in touch with the show by calling 216 220 email greg at the bbqcentralshow.com on the twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow
1: All right, still to come on this show this evening, you will find the likes of John Stage, the founder of Dinosaur Barbecue Restaurant. Also, in the 1035 segment, you'll find Emily Park from the American Royal Association. And we'll be talking about the impending 2019 edition of the American Royal, amongst other stuff. So that's what you have to look forward to for the rest of this show or in podcast form Thursday. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. So if you want to like me, friend me, follow me, depending on what platform you like, I do try to post to all of them uh, from time to time. I do have some help uh, posting those, but all posts, more or less, are my own. So a uh, quick email from Darren Gassaway, Veterans Q Chicken Rub. Great product, I know. Shout out to Steve and the gang over at Veterans Q. Some great products. I'll actually be talking about them here in a few minutes, believe it or not. Glad you like it, Darren. I also like the chicken rub. Um, It's very good stuff. Sauces are really good. I'm a big sauce snob. And both the original and the heat for Veterans Q, very good. And that's like right in my wheelhouse of viscosity. I don't like like mega thick. The only what I would call thick sauce that I seem to agree with, semi under protest, but it is good, is Blue's Hog Original. That's really on the cusp of being too thick for me. And 95% of the time, I take Blue's Hog Original. So if I'm buying a pint jar or whatever jar of Blue's Hog Original, I also buy the complimentary size of Blues Hog Tennessee Red, and then I mix 50, usually 50-50 Blues Hog Original and Red, usually. Uh, Sometimes, though, it's like 75% or or three parts of Red to one part of the Blues Hog Original, because Blues Hog Original is sweet, and my palate isn't a appreciator of overly sweet stuff. I'm not a big candy guy. I don't like chocolate at all. I mean, I'll eat it on occasion, but I don't prefer it, nor do I seek it out, nor do I crave and or Jones it. So I'm always more vinegar, sour, uh, umami, savory than sweet. Although, sweet personality. You got me. You got me. Coming up on the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, episode 85 taking you back four years to August 2015, where you can find a John Solberg doubleheader taking place this week as well. In this episode, I was having Chris Becker on from cookandpellets.com, and we were talking about pellets and the pellet industry four years ago, and probably talking about new flavors and products that he was talking about. So. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. If you don't, here's the deal. You don't have to subscribe to while I want you to with all of my heart. You don't have to subscribe to the podcast in order to get all of the show archives. All you have to do is visit the website once a day, the BBQCentralShow.com, and then in those listed out posts, you will have tonight's show, uh, tomorrow, hour number one Wednesday, hour number two Thursday best of on Friday, special releases when they happen, but you got to visit the website in order to do that. And if you forget it or you go on vacation for a week, you don't know, a computer, what have you, do you want to keep up with that info? That's where subscribing to the podcast really becomes efficient and convenient because as long as you have your phone and you're connected to some kind of a wireless network or data network, as soon as I pump content into that podcast feed, you will be alerted. So that's why I think you should subscribe to the podcast, but you don't have to. You can go to the website. It's a clearinghouse of all of the archives, extensive archives right there on the website, which is, I guess, how it should be. So stay tuned for episode 85 coming up this Friday, and it will be available for you very early in the morning on Friday. So if you're an early riser, you're going to want to check that out. So was it last week or two weeks ago? I think it was last week maybe. I told you about 16 year old uh, Booga. I forget exactly. Come uh, on, uh, uh, don't do this to me now. Gotta refresh this. Everybody's so anti pop up locker. I mean, I don't want to read your stupid ads, so leave me alone. I told you about 16 year old Kyle Booga Gearsdorf who won $3 million because he was the best Fortnite single player ever, right? And I wasn't begrudging him his winnings or anything like that. I was more like, how do we call gaming a sport? They call it eSport. Well, how do we call it a sport? Or how are we figuring out what's a sport or not? And if there's just a winner at something, then is, is everything just a sport? If there's a winner, so on and so forth. Go back and get that rant from last week. I'm not against him winning. I'm against video games being a sport. But he's evidently really good at, like, the best. To the tune of $3 million, the best. So what happens when you're the best? There's jealous bitches out there on the internet. And when you are streaming your games live on Twitch or XSplit or whatever the hell it is that you use to stream your games and let people watch, perhaps... More disturbing than calling video gaming sport are people watching these professional video gamers play their video games. Uh-oh. What do you what the hell are you watching? You're watching some other guy or gal play video games? For what? Play your own video games. Come on. Booga should be giving eSport classes like cooking classes like the competition barbecue guys were cleaning up on back in the day, Booga should be giving Fortnite classes. Anyway, here's what's happening when you win $3 million and then you're online playing Fortnite with a couple of your buddies. You get swatted. That's right. Swatted. The teen, according to NBCNews.com, the teen who took home three mil after winning the Fortnite World Cup last month, was swatted while streaming video games from his home. Booga16 was nearing the end of a match Saturday in Fortnite Arena Trios when he suddenly abandoned his keyboard. Did he just leave the game? Another gamer could be heard asking. Off-camera, Geersdorf was heard speaking with his father saying, I've been swatted. Swatting is a harassment tactic. In which someone reports an emergency at a perceived enemy or rival's home in order to get police and ultimately SWAT to respond to the location. When Giersdorf eventually returned to the stream, he explained what had happened. Yeah, I got swatted, dude. They came in with guns, bro. They literally pulled up. The internet is effing crazy. It was not immediately clear who called in the swatting on Geersdorf, although they believe it happened overseas. In a Facebook post, the upper Pottsgrove Township Police Department said officers were dispatched after a call was received about a possible shooting. The caller pretended to be Giersdorf, claimed that he had killed his father and tied up his mother. Now, that's bad, but it also happens that when you have uh, when you are the victim of swatting, it can have deadly consequences. Sometimes you can get shot and killed. Andrew Finch, 28, was killed in 2017 as the police responded to a prank 911 call from California about a shooting and kidnapping at Finch's home in Wichita. When SWAT rolls in, they're they're full hot. They couldn't make heads or tails of Andrew Finch. Shot him. Swatted to the fullest. Uh, no, please. I beg of you. of I beg of all of you. No swatting me, please. Please. I mean, come on. Let the dude enjoy his three mil. Play his online games and have people watch him play his online games. Don't swat him. Swat him before you swat me, though, please. <laughs> Is that possible?
3: <laughs> if you like,
1: swat Rampy, swat Booga, swat Rampy, SWAT. I played real sports when I was a youth. I run 5Ks every day. Please? And I've never won $3 million hosting a Barbecue Central show ever in my life. Never. Never been a Barbecue Central show tournament. Never won anything to the tune of $3 million where you would really be pissed at me anyway. But yeah, a little thanks to him. What is this? So a little uh, thanks to him, right? I win $3 million, now I'm swatted. You can get shot. Get shot. All right, uh, we come back with John Stage from Dinosaur Barbecue. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, still no Hunter Saunders in the second hour yet. He may or may not show up. And you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Stick around, be right back.
3: Show, giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey,
1: this portion of the show being brought to you by Veterans Q. They currently have two sauces, original and sweet heat, two rubs, chicken and pork and beef on the market. As mentioned by Darren Gassaway, who wrote in unprovoked, chicken rub is great. I agree. All products are great. I've tasted them all. They meet my satisfaction. Also, 100% of their profits donated to credible veteran organizations. You code BBQ20 for 20% off your entire order. That's BBQ20, and you do that at VeteransQ.com. All right, 31 years of doing something, a long time indeed. But in the restaurant industry, it seems like it could be two lifetimes. My next guest founded Dinosaur Barbecue that long ago, 31 years. And over those years and decades has built a name into not only a regionally known name, but nationally known name for barbecue as well. But how does this story get started and how does it evolve into what Dinosaur Barbecue is today. No better person to chat with to find out about all of that than by racing to the Fogo Charcoal Hotline and welcoming first-timer to the show, John Stage. Hey, John.
0: Hey, Greg. How you doing, man?
1: I am absolutely fabulous, John. Appreciate you making time for the uh, show for... I appreciate you making time for the show this evening. First time with my new lips in the second hour here, John. Apologize. So, uh, 31 years celebrating the life of Dinosaur Barbecue, and uh, we're going to kind of poke as far through that whole story as we can here this evening during our time. So where sure. does John stage? I mean, if, if we're talking about barbecue mechs, we talk about North Carolina and South Carolina and Memphis and Texas and Kansas City. There may be some other ones mm-hmm. that are budding. But you don't think yeah. of the southern tier of New York or the western tier of New York or upstate New York. So where does your – a passion, or for barbecue, or live fire, gets sparked, and then we can kind of build it in from there.
0: Oh, uh, well, if you do go back about 35 years ago, I, I started this business as a, um, like a like a mobile concession. But I did, um, uh, I, I lived like kind of a carny lifestyle for about five years. I did fairs, festivals. Started out doing the motorcycle shows, and <clears throat> we coined our uh, we made our name, Dinosaur Barbecue. Because I had developed a a barbecue sauce. I did sausage, peppers, and onions, uh, steak sandwiches, but everybody on the fair circuit and biker circuit had like a marinara sauce. So I developed a barbecue sauce and named it dinosaur barbecue. Once I started, see, in in order to um, stay active in the fair circuit, you had had to head south. So everything dries up in the Northeast after um, uh, August. So once I went down south and I had the name barbecue in my name, people were telling me this is not barbecue. What is it? Sauce so pepper, songs and steak sandwiches. So I kind of got the book, I'm going to say around 1986, 87, and where it really hit me when I, when I went to Memphis. So I started um, Dinosaurs very modeled and very inspired by Memphis, especially in the early years.
1: John Stage joining me here on the show. Uh, where did Dinosaur come from? Was it just something you picked out of thin air, or does it mean something specifically to you?
0: No, my original partner was named Dino. And uh, Dino was um 350-pound um, <laughs> big dude, man, and um, bad man. <laughs> this dude can, uh, he can always fight. And uh, Dino was uh, my original partner. We cooked over open fire. We wrote old Harleys. I wrote a panhead. You wrote an old, uh, old shovelhead. So we're like, man, we're like dinosaurs. But his name was Dino. But there's really not much to do with dinosaurs inside the restaurant. You would never, outside the name, you would never think there's any, any connection to dinosaurs. So it's more about uh, Dino and um, the name, his name versus anything else.
1: How does the Carney lifestyle. Uh, appeal to you enough to want to kind of run that circuit? Because I mean, you're on the road all the time in order to make a living doing that, right?
0: Well, it went just the opposite way because I was oh. on the road for five or six years. I wanted, you know, I wanted to settle down. My I just had my first son, and uh, lifestyle's uh you know, it's not a very healthy lifestyle. So I, I really needed to settle down, and that's that's how I opened up Syracuse, uh, first Dino in Syracuse.
1: So, uh, are you, you're uh. The original, or the flagship, can we call it the flagship location, is, is Syracuse. So when you open it there, so that's uh, now turning 30 years old or going on 31 years yeah, old? Now. That's, yeah, it's 31. Right now. How, how quickly, I mean, she's 30 years old. Uh, I mean, that's late uh, you know, lady So what kind of a barbecue scene is in Syracuse? And do you know fairly quickly that you're going to be able to make a run of it, at least in, in one restaurant?
0: Uh no man the first two years were, I mean I could have closed into a hundred times and and I and I really can't say that my barbecue was on point back then you know we were just you know it's like learning the craft and I had just like started understanding at that point what barbecue was about or, or getting an idea what barbecue was about it wasn't really till like the second year that I think it was accumulation of um, getting better at what we were doing and starting to get that you know it was very much perceived as a biker bar when it first opened and then we got uh, a a few reviews that you know really like touted it and then we started getting a very eclectic group of people that came into it and then I got a liquor license in uh, 1991 so for the first couple um first couple of years we did not have a liquor license mm. so there was no beer it was just kind of like a you know breakfast lunch and dinner spot Supper spot. We close at eight o'clock. So, like getting a liquor license was a big turning point.
1: Because then people can at least drink if they don't like the food, right?
0: Exactly. <laughs> it's around the syrup.
1: Yeah. So you are a couple years into Syracuse. You realize, okay, things are going to kind of pan out. Do you immediately start thinking hmm. about multiple locations, or are you just at that point focusing on continuing to turn out a decent product and keeping your head afloat in that singular location in Syracuse?
0: Yeah, it was 1080 before we opened up the next one. So Rochester was the second one. That was 1998. So, no, we were doing everything to keep our head above the I mean, it was a, a kind of explosive growth around 91, 92. So I, I really had my hands full for a while. So, no, it wasn't until 10 years later that we opened the second
1: place. Did you ever think about like uh, New York City or, uh, I, I don't know, like, I. I, so I'm, I'm going to come at this in a, in a very brutal way, but uh, I'm originally from upstate New York uh, myself, uh, Saratoga mm-hmm. Springs, for a number of years before uh, my dad took a transfer moved out here to Cleveland. Uh, Rochester mm-hmm. isn't really, aside from what was then a, a, a still, well, 97, probably not so much, but you know Eastman Kodak pretty much ran the roost out there in Rochester. But that was it. So how, do, how does Rochester even appeal to somebody, especially in a, in a restaurant which is highly volatile and... You know, there's a good chance you're mm-hmm. probably going to shut the doors at some point in that first couple of years anyway. Why Rochester, of all places? <laughs>
0: uh, well, <laughs> okay. Um, good good question. Um, I started bottling my barbecue sauce in Rochester. Mm. So um, around 93, I, I I started, I ended up going to um, um, Razorback Cookers in the town of Blyville, Arkansas um, to brew my barbecue sauce. This is 92, 93. And then the sauce kind of it started hitting a little bit, so I needed to um, cut down on the uh, you know all the um, uh, the trucking involved and, and, and the cost of that. So I started I found a guy a spaghetti sauce maker in uh, Rochester who said, hey man, we can do we can do your sauce. So I started going to Rochester, and uh, every day or probably once a week I went I, I went there, and I kept going by this beautiful 1905 train station that had been closed down for many years. And it was really falling in love with the real estate, falling in love with this old building that got me to Rochester. So it wasn't, um, it was brewing the sauce in Rochester and then seeing this. I'm a sucker for old buildings. I love, I love rehabbing old stuff. And that's how Rochester happened.
1: Uh, My dad just sent me... I'm sorry, my dad had just sent me a text message and said that he's been to the Rochester location and that it's uh, literally in a bridge.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a bridge over the Genesee River. I mean, it's a spectacular uh, uh, building with incredible views. So it it was really a love of the building that got me to Rochester.
1: So now it's 1998. So you get the Rochester location open. Um, does this one take off quicker? Because now you have you know eight, nine, ten years behind you first before you open the second location where you can really start to turn it up pretty quick, or does it take a little bit of time too?
0: No, this one this one kind of hit right at the gate. It was uh, oh man, it was it, it, it was we were not ready for what hit us when it when it hit. So. Um, yeah, it, it hit hard, and we had to relearn what the world was like for two restaurants versus one. <laughs> so it was uh, it was a big learning experience, definitely. I spent a lot of time back and forth on the throughway going back to Syracuse or Rochester.
1: I mean, that's a couple hour commute each way, right? It's about an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. You have a successful location in Syracuse. You have a successful location in Rochester. Uh, I mean, do you – everybody okay over there? Yeah, I'm on the street. So Um, Uh, so at what point do you think that now we have two – is it always one by one, or do you think, hey, we can start going multiple locations at one time as we start to grow this thing up?
0: No, it was one by one. The next one was Harlem, and that was in uh, 2004. So the first was 10 years. The second was five years. So we opened in, uh, in Harlem in 2004. So it was more, I mean, there, there was never a plan. It was more opportunistic and more what I wanted to do. And I really, you know, I, I grew up in the New York area, so I always wanted someday to move back to New York. And my family's from Washington Heights, you know, a little bit above Harlem. Mm -hmm. So I I found this location. It was an old meatpacking plant in um, um, the west side of Harlem. And once again, fell in love with the area, the the beautiful riverside drive bridge. And I just love the area. So we decided. So, again, opportunistic, not a real plan, but we did it. And... Uh, the, the more planning stuff came later, so uh, that was 2004, and we opened that up, and uh, that was it was it was good. It was good.
1: So now you're through New York. Uh, you have locations New Jersey, Connecticut. Obviously, the sauces and the rubs that you had talked about, uh, you can order those online. Mm-hmm. I think they're available at Whole mm-hmm. Foods as well. In 2008, yeah. you partner with Soros Strategic Partners. And yep. what I'm assuming is, you know, uh, there's going to be a, a huge uh, influx in, in capital, or, you know, maybe they're going to be some type of an investor or whatever. I guess, in an effort to, uh, is it to just get some extra cash to help build out the current locations, or are you looking to really expand at this point and put Dinosaur across the country?
0: Well, it was uh, one of two things. My original partners that were with me wanted to get out of the business. So it, it initially started with bringing in the capital to buy out my existing partners, with a vision of expanding down the road. Because remember, 2008, the world kind of melted at that point. Yep. So there was really no major plans to expand right out of the gate. It was more, you hey, know, let's see how the world shakes out. So it became something I was very comfortable with was opening. I'm I'm good at one restaurant a year. That's probably my, that, that is my bandwidth. I can do one a year, maybe one every two years. And that, that's what I'm good at. Um, Once I'm going to say around 2013 is where me and uh, my partners at that time came to a kind of a crossroads. They wanted to expand further than I was, that, that my bandwidth was ready for. And that's, that's when we brought in other people, but um, the first five years were great because I could, I, I did what I did, and I'm like I said, I'm 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 good at what I know, but beyond one to two one a year, I'm it's it's not not what I'm good at.
1: In between the the time when you sell the majority of your shares into the strategic partnership, uh, you expand in Chicago, oh. Baltimore. Uh, a couple years after mm-hmm. they open they close so the, i mean there there aren't as many you have a couple losses against a, a number of wins that you have done since you had started uh, all the way back there in the late mm-hmm. 80s so i mean what do you point to is you know those not being able to to burgeon and find the same success and and what is your plan then to kind of recoup and and regain control of this well if you
0: all right so going back to what i just said before on 9, uh, 2013 um, it was a very pivotal point because, uh, my, my partners who were, you know, uh, private equity people, they, they wanted to expand further than what I was, like I said, what I was good at. Yep. So in 2013, I stepped down and became an advisor versus a day to day and, so from 2013 2014 is I'm going to say more like, uh, 2014 is when I stepped away. Mm-hmm. So i had stepped away for a few years. And, um, I, uh, the, 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 growth was, was, um, very ambitious and it went outside of our, you know, the purview of what we're, what we're known at, you know, cause Chicago is a whole nother world because, oh, yeah. You go over that way. It's 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 just a different it's a different thing. So I didn't have much to do with it at that point. I didn't run it. I didn't. Um, I, I was an advisor. So uh, we just bit off more than we can chew. And uh, yeah, that, that's probably the best way to describe it.
1: You take control back in like around 2018 or so. Um, yeah, we're going on October. So I bought
0: it back in October of uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I'm I'm back in the day-to-day and back in the, the majority ownership. Yeah.
1: What are the things that you had to take control of right away that you saw as lacking or that wasn't that original dinosaur that you had originally started out?
0: You know, it's it, it, <laughs> culture. Culture and consistency was... Probably the two, well, not probably. They are. They are. The, those are the two things I've spent the last six months rebuilding. Um, consistency in barbecue is probably the hardest thing. Yeah. And if you do it over eight, eight to ten restaurants, I know if I'm in that store, I'm in those pits. That barbecue is going to be on point. When you're not in your restaurants, like if I if I'm in uh, Harlem, that means I'm not in Syracuse or vice versa. So it becomes how to get consistent across eight restaurants and to do it well and to to teach and so I've, I've become very much more of a mentor in in teaching people because barbecue's judgment it's not there's not a uh, <laughs> there's not a recipe yep. it's a judgment and uh, way the wind blows what temperature it is what the barometric pressure is what what would you know the 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 how damp the wood or how dry the wood. Is. So we have to teach judgment, which is the hardest thing about barbecue. So, and the, the, the first thing I did is like, I don't want to even think about any more restaurants. we got to just make everything consistent. And then the culture of bringing everything back to Syracuse and, and just getting, uh getting tight and, and uh, the, the mantra is good to great. And then how do we, you know, how do we make things better? So it's culture and consistency. And I'm, uh, you know, it's me back in the kitchen also is going through every menu item and analyzing it and tasting it. And how, how can we do it better? So it's, that's the fun part for me. That's, that's what I really enjoy. The expansion and the new restaurants, if you're opening three or four a year, man, you can't, it's really hard to concentrate on making things better. Cause you're just, opening restaurants. So at this point in my life, I I just don't give a shit. I just want to make, you know, what we've got and make it better.
1: John stay joining me here on the show talking about the history of dinosaur barbecue. I mean, uh, John, it's easy to just bounce over, you know, 30 plus years here in a, in a segment interview on the most prolific mm-hmm. uh, barbecue talk show ever. Um, is there one or two points out of those 30 years that really stick out to you as crowning achievements or ones that you are most proud of?
0: Oh, man. I don't know. There's uh, you know, 30 years. Let me see. Crowning achievements. Uh, I don't know. It really goes back to, like, I, I think when someone comes up and I, I love – when somebody is in an area like New York city or or Syracuse and they come up to me and say, man, that's some, that's some great barbecue. That to me, to this day is the crowning achievement of that day. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've fed presidents. I've fed, you know, like all, yeah, there's been just a lot of good shit over the years, but to this day it's when someone goes, man, that's some great barbecue. That's the crowning achievement of that day. And that, and that's what, that's what th- I thrive on. You know, so, yeah, there's been a lot of stuff over the years. Um, but that was that was in the past, so what, what what's good now? That's that's what I'm
1: about. Who's your barbecue mentors? Who do you lean on to get some barbecue advice?
0: Who do I lean on? Hmm, good question. Um, well, I'm going to say years ago, there was a man named Marie Red Gill out of um, Blyville, Arkansas. So. And at that point, i was uh you know it was it was okay, it was good, it was decent and then i learned um i learned i learned a lot from uh uh reread and his son Ray uh the razorback cooking team back in the uh back in the nineties I learned a lot from them guys, and then it's just been really like trial and error over the years you know um and i and and i I like to look at the not just barbecue but the world itself is like there's always how do you improve? How do you tweak? I'm, I'm always tweaking and I'm, I'm just, I, I just look like what I know now I know, but there's so much more to learn. So I really don't, you know, I'm, I'm always tweaking stuff, but I'm, I'm going to say like there's one person that really uh, elevated uh, my barbecue was uh, the gills out of Blytheville.
1: Definitely. We are talking with John Stage. He founded Dinosaur Barbecue, the website Dinosaur Barbecue, and that's B-A-R-B-Q-U-E.com. If you're going to be out there in the uh, New York area and you want to have some great barbecue, you want to check them out online. Make sure that if you're going to be around there, you stop in and uh, give it a try. Uh, John, really appreciate the time tonight to look back, the, the story and the candor, and uh, let's do it again soon. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. All right, you got it. There he is, John Stage. Dinosaur barbecue joining me on the Fogo charcoal hotline. Man oh man, thirty plus years. I mean, you are doing at least one thing right, right? If you're doing it for thirty years, thirty one years, got involved with the hedge, the hedge fund, or the uh, the investors. Became an advisor, then bought it back. About six or seven months ago, and he's starting to retool, bring it back to Syracuse, as he said. Here's here's the statement of the interview. Barbecue is a judgment. That's going to be a t-shirt. Barbecue is a judgment. For as long as I've done this show, I've never had anybody utter that sentence before, and it's totally correct. (laughs) You come to my house, I make you barbecue. You might not like it. Maybe I cooked it right for me. My judgment is it's right. Your judgment is that's crap. Barbecue is a judgment. So, how do you teach that? I don't know. That's a tough. One. Great line from John Stage. Great interview from John Stage, a legend in the industry. Multiple locations New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, just to name a few. All right, we are back with Emily Park from the American Royal Association. Stick around. I'll be right back.
3: Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again,
1: here's your host, Craig Rampy. Hey, this portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. No. Sorry. The Smoke Sheet. That's right. Weekly newsletter that keeps you in the know on everything happening in the world of barbecue, including top news, events, recipes, and more. Started by Ryan Cooper, Barbecue Tourist, and Sean Ludwig in New York City Barbecue. They both travel around the country to find the best barbecue and then report on it. You can sign up for that newsletter at BBQNewsletter.com. That's BBQNewsletter.com. Great all-in-one resource covering the live fire industry. So check them out outrageous hey coming out of the bullpen tonight friend of the show a few months ago she gave me the exclusive on announcing the three barbecue hall of fame members of 2019 and in a few weeks one of the most anticipated barbecue events will take place again that being the american royal there are two sides of this event one is uh, known as the open the other's invitation only but if you're not familiar with the american royal there are plenty of other things to do during that week or so in which it takes place and if you are a team that is on the fence about doing the Royal this year, stay tuned because Emily is here to entice you with a Barbecue Central Show exclusive offer. So without any further ado, we're right to the Charcoal, uh, Fogo Charcoal Hotline, and welcome back, Emily Park. Hey, Emily.
2: Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing?
1: Absolutely fabulous. I was just talking with John Stage, who is a 30-year barbecue restaurant vet, if you can believe it.
2: My goodness.
1: Yeah, that's a long time. And a time. rock
2: star at
1: it. Yeah, 30 years. Wow. A lot of uh, living and learning in that time frame, I would imagine. Oh,
2: yes. One I would love to talk to and learn from.
1: No doubt. Uh, all right, Emily. So I uh, want to have you on here. We're going to do a little promo of the American Royal. But uh, from a marketing perspective, would you ever consider changing your name, Emily, from Emily Park to Emily Pork? It's got a certain ring to it. Would you, <laughs> you? No? Yes. Yes.
2: I haven't thought of it, but I do think I need to do it. <laughs> yes, just for
1: marketing promotions, of course.
2: Absolutely. Right. No, yeah, no problem. Officially change it. Yes, I think it's necessary.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so I want to talk about the competition portion here in a second, Emily. But for the folks who maybe aren't familiar with the American Royal or just getting into barbecue or whatever the case may be, uh, this is a way bigger deal than just a barbecue event over two days, right?
2: Yeah, I would say so. It's kind of the mecca of barbecue is the way we really like to explain it. So you've got barbecuers from all over the world, really, who come together. So you've got contests, you've got public events. We try to bring it all together for a fun barbecue weekend.
1: So aside from the barbecue stuff, what else is there for folks to do, and how long does it run officially from start to finish?
2: Well, start to finish for us takes about a month, but that's besides <laughs> that. <laughs> no, Um uh, so start to finish. Yeah. So publicly, uh, the teams, uh, a backtrack here, the, the teams come down basically on Wednesday, they load in and they camp and cook from Wednesday to Sunday. Then from a public fl- public side, you can come down on Friday night and Saturday night and really have two awesome, however, quite different experiences. So, Friday night has become the biggest party in Kansas City. Um I like to say the biggest party in the Midwest. It is large, it is fun, it is the best place to find barbecue anywhere around. So what ends up happening is almost all of these teams, so about five hundred teams each host a party. So if you come down to the American wow. Royal on Friday, there are five hundred parties going on. It sounds crazy. It's happening. It's nuts. I think there might be anywhere from 100 to 200 bands playing at one time, and there's a lot of people who party hop, a lot of folks have private parties, a lot of folks have public parties, and it is a night of fun and barbecue. It's a really fun night, too, for the team to kind of test the waters on what they're cooking. They might be trying out some stuff that they're going to turn in on Sunday or doing something that we don't turn in in the contest, so you'll see barbecued alligator and things like that. That's a little different, but really fun. So they'll really have a lot of fun doing that. So Friday night, big party, come on down. Even if you don't have a party to go to, the American Royal has a lot of things that we put up. So you have something to do. So we have a main stage. We have local entertainment on that. We have a marketplace area. You can come find Kansas city goods, barbecue vendors, kind of the whole nine yards in there. And then we also have a handful of, public bars from a Jim Beam whiskey bar to a beer garden from Budweiser, I and mean, you name it. It's a fun place to stop. And then change course on Saturday. So Saturday, we want the day to be available to everyone in the family. Maybe not just the partyers, but everybody else. So on Saturday, we're bringing in a car show. Um, it'll be about 125 to 150 cars from the Kansas City Auto Museum. We have the whole day as a salute to service. And so we would be doing activation around the military and everything that they do for us all day long. We are actually going to be feeding the first 5,000 guests who come to our our gates on uh, Saturday. So this is our 40th year. and We want to celebrate. So anybody who comes down on Saturday, comes in the gate, first 5,000, gets to eat barbecue lunch on us. So we have a lot of partners involved in order to make this happen. Great local stuff. So that you can get a little taste of Kansas City barbecue, and then we will have bands and demos on the main stage. So we've got a lot of demos that are going to be happening. So if you've got a, if you're a barbecue enthusiast and you just want to come down and learn and learn about a new equipment, maybe your favorite uh, grill provider is doing. They're probably going to have it here. Learn about how to do the best sides from racers. They're going to do it on the stage and things like that. Um, and then we have a whole area designated to kids. That we call Cowtown Family Fun Fest. Hmm. So while the parents might be roaming around, we've got an area for kids to enjoy the barbecue too. And it's right next to our kids' queue, which is the world's largest youth barbecue contest with 75 contestants. 75? So we wow. have a lot happening on Saturday. So because all of that's happening from the public side, but the really cool thing is while all that's happening, the invitational contest is happening. Right. So you get to be be part of it. You're in the barbecue when this is all happening.
1: Emily Park joining me here on the show, manager of the World Series of Barbecue. The website is, uh, where where do we, is it barbecue, uh, AmericanRoyal.com?
2: AmericanRoyal.com or AmericanRoyal.com backslash barbecue. You can get there either way.
1: All right. Do you spell out barbecue or is it BBQ? BBQ. All right.
2: However, when we spell it, we spell it with a C. I know everyone's different.
1: I think the the only right way for me is B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E. I don't know why anybody would spell go. it any different.
2: I think I've seen it every way now, which is yeah. kind of cool and creative.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Emily. So do you know, like, uh, would you call the American Royal uh, a vacation destination? Like, do you know folks or do you run into people that say, hey, we decided to come to Kansas City for three or four or five days specifically for this whole ranging event?
2: Yeah, we definitely see that. Um, What's kind of cool is if you do that, and I would offer this to anyone listening, um, come down and do more than just the two days of barbecue. But come down on Sunday and get your seat in the open judging and really get to be part of it. So you can come down and experience all assets of the barbecue. You can party on Friday, do the family stuff on Saturday and see the contest happening. Then come back and judge the open contest on Sunday, eat some proteins for about five hours. Really be part of it. And then you get to see almost every aspect. So that's really cool. We see that a lot. The biggest thing we see is uh the teams. It's a it's a family re- reunion every year. That's what it is. You've got teams coming down from all over the world, teams who've been here thirty five plus years. And we build them the same neighborhood every year. And the same folks come by their space every year. And that's what you see uh coming back year to year. So we wanna open that invite to everyone.
1: Uh, Emily, from a 2019 perspective, as we kind of move and focus a little bit more on the competition side, is there anything new, uh, either from the invitational or the open side, that we need to know about?
2: Nothing new. We're sticking to the classics here. So um, the biggest thing that we've added in the last couple of years is, uh, in addition to our main proteins, we added a turkey smoke, smoke with uh, National Turkey Federation, and we're in our third year of that. It's going really fun, growing really well.
1: How many teams are you currently expecting for the open? Are you expecting around that five hundred number, or is it going to be perhaps more? Or?
2: Well, I would love over a thousand. So anyone listening that <laughs> wants to come, so come horrible. on down. But I don't think so this year. Um, yeah, we'll be around. Uh, we'll be around five hundred. Uh, looking at where we were today, um, the five hundred teams currently consist of about thirty-eight states, and we are up to nineteen. 19- international teams from 10 different countries
1: well, wait.
2: so all over which is great
1: um do you has there been a year where there were a thousand teams
2: wouldn't that be nice not yet
1: mm-hmm. but it will say, happen i remember like what is it maybe 10 <laughs> years ago when it was uh when the royal was back and was it the stockyards that doing there was like yep. the dark side and there was maybe 700 and some odd teams is that a, was that an accurate number at one point
2: you know, it seems a little high, but we'll we'll take it.
1: <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, that's, a, I that's our, a huge...
2: I think our top number of teams we've ever been at is uh, 618. Wow. Still, you know, remaining the biggest, um, You. And that's what's kind of cool is because there's so many teams that you get to see all the different types of barbecue. Everybody's got their spin on it, and uh, everybody brings their own flavor.
1: All right, so if you are a team, That is, listening to this show, either you just happen to stumble over it now or you're a fan of the podcast, you're going to get it tomorrow or Thursday whenever you listen. And you're on the fence. Uh, Maybe there's another competition. uh, Maybe you're a couple hours away. Maybe you're local and you're wondering if you should do it or not. Uh, Is there anything that we can do tonight to entice teams to add their number to the overall tally list?
2: Absolutely. So I want (laughs) to just kind of uh, open the doors to this. Some of the things that, uh, we hear on the American Rail side is that you have to be invited to come and that's only to be part of the invite. Right. So invitational contest. And I want to tell everyone, this is an open contest. You can come in first year, take it all. You could, you know, it's, it might be 500 teams and that might sound scary. However, it is also one of the best learning experiences around. Um, and it's really quite, uh, really impactful weekend to your world of barbecue the number of teams who are out there and also the value of what they can provide to you is wonderful um, with their expertise and their training and everyone's friends out there so all of that being said i always want to say everyone come give it a shot um, you'll have a wonderful time i can promise you that and then my enticingness on the other side we're a month out So the barbecue kicks off in one month. Teams start loading in a month from tomorrow. And I don't want anyone to be weary that we would say, no, it's too late. It's not too late. Now, we might have, we do have, unfortunately, on our registration, we have a late fee. But anybody who would register and is listening now, and I'm going to throw out a code to you. We will waive the late fee, and then we will personally come over. And thank you for coming and like to offer your first case of beer on the American World. Ooh. Just to be there. Have a good time. We'll come over, say hello, and then our team will be able to make sure that you have the best experience ever. Nice. Um, one of the things we do at the American World that not everybody gets to do is each team has a team ambassador that is there to make sure you have all the answers, having the best time while you are around.
1: All right, let's 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 get the code.
2: BBQ Central.
1: B-B-Q right? Central. Sounds like a great oh, name for heart. a show. <laughs> I like it. So if
2: you're listening and you right. hear this, yep. come on, jump in. Be part of it. We would love for you to be there. Then also, we're going to come by and chat with you and make sure you have the best weekend ever.
1: All right. Um, we are talking with Emily Park from the American Royal, again, the website is American, i um, sorry, is, uh, yeah, AmericanRoyal.com slash BBQ, uh, although we agree uh-huh. that B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E is the correct way to spell barbecue. Um, do you, um, let me ask you uh, your opinion on the state of, of competition barbecue because you get to see how many teams are coming in and you've seen how many teams are coming in or, or not coming in over, you know, the last however many years. Do you think that competition barbecue right now is at a, a plateau of sorts or, or in a downtrend And if so, uh, Uh, what do you think would would be a good way to to kind of spark it up a little bit?
2: You know, I think that we are working on that next generation. Mm -hmm. I think Generation 1, who got to be part of the first round of competition barbecue, has set the stage. They've done it. They figured it out. And now we need to get the next generation out here. So... What's really great is that everybody has the opportunity to do it now, where I would say, you know, 15 years ago, it might've been a little bit more difficult, but you can literally go anywhere and buy a grill, a pit, kind of anything you want and teach yourself barbecue and watch online how to barbecue and do that. And I urge that group of people who's listening, who's on the, in your backyard all of your neighbors are saying, my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever had. <laughs> Give competition barbecue a, a chance. It's fun. It's a sport. Really, that's what it is. It's a sport. It is basically a three-day tailgate, and you get to show off how good you are at something. That's kind of what it is. And so it's a really fun thing to do, and I think that, yes, it has had a little bit of a downturn of the number of teams who come out to contest, but I think it's coming back. I think we've got the next generation coming and we just need to invite them and give it a shot.
1: And use code BBQ Central if you have been sandbagging your decision making. You get the <laughs> uh, late fee wave case of beer on the American Royal and you get to uh, have your own ambassador right there to come over and chat with you and all you have to do is use code bbq central that's absolutely fantastic we appreciate you doing that for anybody that might be on the fence emily so we'll see how that works out in the meantime if you have any questions barbecue uh, americanroyal.com slash bbq and emily always appreciate the time thanks so much thank you you got it there she is emily park (laughs) never hit mute first gotta remember to hit mute first would make that sound perfect. Now, are you enticed? up? I mean, I know like there was a whole bunch of people that might have been on the fence about the American Royal, and then she not only I mean, wait fee being uh, late fee being waived. One thing did somebody say free beer, Uh-oh. free case of beer? Uh-oh. People are like, sign me up, everybody!
3: <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know it. Free case of beer and they'll come over and thank you personally for showing up and make sure that you're being taken care of. All because you listen to this show. That's all you have to call in tomorrow. Say, "Hey Emily, this is uh John Snodgrass with Snodgrass Barbecue. You've inspired me. I'm going to drop code BBQ Central on you. She'll waive the late fee, mark you down for that case of beer when you load in." Come on over, meet you. Fantastic. And they're giving me exclusives on Hall of Fame names, and now we're waving late fees, to giving away free beer on this show. Come on, get on board this train. We're going places, I'll tell you that. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. Three different models to choose from: the Jim Bowie, the Daniel Boone, and the Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett is the most portable, and we are weeks away from football starting. That means tailgating. Davy Crockett's going to help you out there. You get wood-fired pellet goodness right there in the back of your truck, van, and SUV. It's got 12 volt power, so if you don't have access to a traditional 12, uh, sorry, a traditional power outlet, you can use the 12 volt adapter or the 12 volt outlet in your car. And it's powered and ready to rock and roll. You can get a couple pork butts on there as well. Then you got the Daniel Boone midsize. You got the Jim Bowie, which is the big daddy. Now you have the classic line. You also have the prime line. Prime line, a little bit more robust chassis build. You got the peeking windows on the cooking chamber and on the pellet hopper. Also two internal meat probes. Both of the prime lines also run on that 12-volt technology. So that helps really dial in the speed of the fan. That gives you greater pellet burn efficiency. Basically saving you money, in essence. And again, stronger build. If you want the Classic, Classic's certainly available. They're all the same size. Just get a little bit more on the feature and benefit side on the Prime line. You look at them yourself at a nearest Green Mountain Grill uh, dealer. You can find them at GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. While you're on the website, take a look at all the accessories. They sell pellets and sauces and rubs and other stuff. GreenMountainGrills.com, longtime sponsor of the show and proud to have them. We are back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole Packers,
3: full racks, legs and thighs injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpey.
1: And we're wrapping it up with Smithfield. If you're not signed up to be a Smokin' with Smithfield National Barbecue Championship participant, never fear, registration is free, but you have to be signed up in order to take part. The finals are going to be happening in just a few short months. Smokin'withsmithfield.com for all the details. Quick check of the email here before we blast out. We're good there. All right, let's do it. All the way back in the first hour, we had Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. We talked about barbecue stars. We talked about the state of competition barbecue. We talked about how much it costs, where the next generation is coming from, all the good stuff. Talked about where he's taking me for dinner. Second hour, we talked with John Stage, the founder of Dinosaur Barbecue, celebrating its 31st year. Learned a lot about the history there, and what it took to grind it out from one to now multiple restaurants. Close it out with Emily Park. BBQ Central is the code if you want to take part in this year's 2019 American Royal Open waive the late fee, get you your case of beer for free, and they will come by personally and say, hey now. That's code BBQ Central. I'll link it up in the show notes so you have it. But make your decision quickly. Quickly running out of time to make that decision for the American oil. Coming up, uh, they load in a month from tomorrow, she said. So there you go. Big show planned for you next week. Stephen Reichlin is in to announce something that has to do with a cruise ship. That's right. You heard me right. The Grill Girl is in, amongst others. September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Till next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host, the American, Greg Reppy. Good night, now.